with the 20th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest and greatest Journey to the Draft podcast. The Eagles and Bills will be kicking off just a few hours from now in what is sure to be an outstanding game at Lincoln Financial Field. But for now, it's time to talk some college football. I am Alex Smith, joined by Fran Duffy. Fran, how are you feeling today? Alex, I'm feeling wonderful. A, uh, a big game day here in Philly, but a lot to talk about in the world of college football. Yeah, a big football weekend in Philly. Of course, we had Army-Navy yesterday. Um, I watched a lot of the pregame ceremonies on TV. Uh, all that stuff is just excellent. Didn't watch much of the game, uh, but Navy wins for the 14th straight year. Um, but, Fran, as you mentioned, a ton of stuff going on in the world of college football. We'll talk about the newest Heisman Trophy winner, Derrick Henry. Uh, we'll go through some mock drafts because it's never too early to start looking at some mock drafts. Uh, and then 22 more invitees uh, who could be heading to the Senior Bowl. Uh, so a lot to talk about. We'll also get into our pick six as we'll talk about some players with NFL relatives. And we'll get you the connection on that later in the podcast. And then we'll, uh, we'll close things out with, uh, with our mailbag. But for now, let's, uh, let's jump right into it with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, Fran, as we kick off Draft Buzz here, let's start things off by talking about the newest member of the Heisman Trophy fraternity, and that is Derrick Henry from Alabama. He takes home the hardware following in the footsteps of Mark Ingram. Uh, In your mind, was he the right choice? You know, I I think that you could have made a really good argument for both he and Christian McCaffrey because McCaffrey was just so important for what Stan- the success that Stanford had this year. He is the number one reason why they are going to be in the Rose Bowl against Iowa. I mean, he's just such a dynamic player. Very excited to see him continue to develop uh, as he's just a sophomore. He'll be a junior next year and will be then draft eligible. But uh, just a really exciting college football player. And obviously, you know, Deshaun Watson, the, the quarterback of the, the lone undefeated team at the top of the mm-hmm. rankings here in Clemson, uh, obviously had his ability to, to make his claim for that award as well. But Look, Henry has just been, you know, we talked about it last week. He had a number of different opportunities. I would say maybe the number one Heisman moment was just his ability to outshine Leonard Fournette on the same field sure. uh, in Alabama's big victory over LSU. But just a big win for him. Uh, he cleaned up this past week in awards. I mean, he won the Doak Walker. He won the Maxwell. Uh, and obviously finishing off with the Heisman Trophy, he hopes to to continue and lead his team to a national, ch- national championship. But uh, more on that in a few weeks. Uh, speaking of awards, I kind of want to break off really quickly. Tyler Matikiewicz taking home the oh, Benaric yeah. Award, nation's top defensive player. Did you expect that? You know, he was up against I want because he won the the Benaric and the Nagurski, right? Uh, you know, so he really cleaned up as well. Um, you know, I, he's been ultra ultra productive, and so the, there's no question. Since Temple was very much in the national spotlight this year, I think they had four or five nationally televised games uh, on prime time. So just you know, he definitely had the exposure. Uh, and his production speaks for itself. So wasn't too too surprised to especially see him as a finalist. But great for the former or for the owl to uh, to bring home the bacon. Fight, fight, fight for the cherry and the white. Uh, congratulations to Tyler Matikiewicz. No doubt. Uh, getting back to Derrick Henry here for a second. What does the Heisman do for his stock? Does it do anything? No, doesn't do anything for his because stock. we've seen guys. We've seen good Heisman Trophy winners. We've seen how it translates well to the NFL with guys like Cam Newton and. Uh, James Winston, Marcus Mariota, they look like pretty good players. And we've also seen the bad with 
Eric Crouch and Jason White where it doesn't translate. It's a weird award in that way. It, well, it's because it's for the best college football player. And it's all, it just goes back to the, the idea that the best college football players aren't always the best uh, NFL players just because they're different games and, you know, and just the things happen that uh, affect the way a guy can translate. But it's funny. We've, we've talked about Cam Newton on the Eagles Insider podcast a number of times this year sure. and where he ranks as far as MVP candidates. If he were to win the MVP, he would be the first quarterback to ever win the Heisman and the MVP. That's incredible. I mean, that's, that's, that tells you what you need to know. It's incredible. Um, but in Henry's case, does he translate well to the NFL? I think he translates in a certain way. You know, I, I think that Derrick Henry has a role as a power type back. And for some teams, he may be a feature type back. To me, uh, there's two guys that he very much kind of reminds me of. Um, one is LeGarrette Blunt, and, and the other is Andre Williams out of Boston College. Uh, two downhill, big, sturdy running backs uh, you know, that have the ability to hit it between the tackles. Now, Henry, the, the big thing with him, and I saw, I forget who, who exactly it was that put this out there this week, and it's really, if you really want to sum this up, this is probably the best way to do it. If you were to compare Henry to Ezekiel Elliott, who uh, has declared for the draft and will be uh, the top draft eligible running back, would be my assumption, uh, along with Kenneth, Kenneth Dixon from Louisiana Tech. Elliott can create for, his own, for, for himself as a runner. Uh, which is what you want. You want backs that can create in a number of different ways with quickness and with power. He's got the ability to be able to create for himself. Derrick Henry does not. You know, he does not have great wiggle. He does not have great lateral agility. Uh, his ability to get downhill quickly is a question mark for him. And while he's got a burst in the open field and can pull away in a straight line, not necessarily a guy that's going to make a ton of people miss. Um, you know, and obviously, look, he, he wins in different ways. I mean, he's a 250-pound back. I mean, that's our, he's got rare size for the position. I think I've said this before. No back in the last five years is as heavy as Derrick Henry is right now. So uh, the question for him will be, will he have the athletic ability to be a feature back at the next level? And that will be the question for him throughout this draft process if he does, in fact, declare. Is Christian McCaffrey along those same lines, same kind of runner? McCaffrey is on the complete other scale. So McCaffrey is more of like that dynamic. A lot of people thought that he was a slot receiver coming out of high school, and that was was he was going to uh, transition into being. Uh, and they ended up keeping him as a running back. Shows great ability as a returner, uh, as a receiver out of the backfield, almost like in a Danny Woodhead type of mold. So I think that that's the kind of. The, and again, I haven't studied McCaffrey yet, so you know, just because he's not draft eligible, uh, looking forward to doing so in the summer. But uh, a guy that can win in a number of different ways and is very very valuable to that offense. And then the last, uh, certainly not least, Heisman Trophy finalist was Deshaun Watson. You mentioned the quarterback of the undefeated Clemson Tigers. Uh, he's not draft eligible this year, but I saw a tweet, I think it was from, might have been Peter King, maybe been Adam Schefter, asking if he's the top prospect for next year's draft already. Yeah, and, and you know, I think that people are always looking to find out who's next. Um, what was interesting, and I saw a tweet from Albert Breer, I want to say it was last Friday, uh, so not even this past, like I, we're talking two weeks ago now, uh, he put out about how, and something that we've talked about numerous times in this podcast, Alex, about how this quarterback class is a really solid group. You know, there's maybe not that top five guy, but overall from one to you know 15, as deep as they come, and he named you know, the, the long list of quarterbacks that a lot of people feel very comfortable taking in those middle to late rounds. 
And then he said, the, well, maybe the top guy of the entire group is not draft eligible, and that's Deshaun Watson. I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm not saying he's not that guy. I just haven't studied him. From what I've seen from flashes and what I've seen from any time I've watched him on TV, obviously has the athleticism, but has, has flashed the ability to win in the pocket, and I want to be able to see if he has that ability uh, to consistently do that. So I'll be looking to see that once I study him in the summer. Speaking of this talented quarterback class that we have this year, um, it's interesting to me that you know we have all these top guys. You have your Goffs and your Paxton Lynch, but then at the Heisman, at the Heisman Awards, there's only one guy who, who ends up going to New York City. Again, does that say more about what the Heisman Trophy means? You know, I think that really what ended up happening was a lot of the players that uh, people were talking about in that vein, you know, Jared Goff, I mean, what did they lose? Five games in a row, six games in a row. Uh, so you're not going to send a quarterback that, what do they go, six and six this year? You know, set, whatever the, whatever the re- record ended up being, uh, you're not going to send him to New York. Uh, Paxton Lynch really kind of tapered off after uh, a certain point in the season. We mm-hmm. talked about how I th- kind of thought he may have been banged up a little bit, uh, right. but his numbers surely dipped in the second half of the year. So uh, it was tough for him to really get an invite. I'm sure he probably would have ranked, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, you know, in the in the final poll for that. But uh, look, it's 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 interesting, and it, it really does kind of tell the story of what this quarterback group is right now. Uh, quickly, before we transition here, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, however you subscribe, be sure to rate, comment, subscribe. Uh, tell us what you want to hear on your Eagles podcast. Uh, so as we continue here on Journey to the Draft, the next thing we want to do is look at the 22, new, uh, 22 more players who have accepted invites to the Senior Bowl, which will, of course, be on January 30th. Fran, I kind of want to go through the list here. I'll just rattle off five names or so. You, you highlight whoever you want to do. Sure. This is all up to you, Fran. Right, uh, so here's a list of the 22 new players who have joined the list. Vidal Alexander, guard from LSU. Jacoby Brissett, quarterback from NC State. Leonte Carew, a wide receiver from Rutgers. And LaRaven Clark, an offensive tackle from Texas Tech. All right, so here we go. So you have uh, Vidal Alexander, who was a guard last year, shifted outside to right tackle this year. Really big, lumbering guy. Almost that, you know, that natural people mover. I think he's like a 335-pound offensive lineman. Really excels at getting movement in the run game. So that's really what you have from him. A lot of people think that he can play tackle, but is just better fit inside a guard. And I think that's probably right on. I, you know, whether you want uh, you know, that, that guy that's going to get great movement in the run game outside or inside, that's what you're getting from Alexander. Uh, LaRaven Clark is a really interesting guy. He's got great raw tools, just hasn't put it together from a technique standpoint. So excited to see how he does with some NFL coaching down in Mobile. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, we've talked about in the past, just a big, strong kid who, can fl- who flashes NFL athleticism. Uh, so really excited to see Brissett uh, in person. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that those are the guys to highlight from that group. Next four guys, and I think we've talked about all of these guys in past weeks on this podcast. Taylor Decker, offensive tackle from Ohio State. Tyler Irvin, a running back from San Jose State, I know is a guy that you really like. Kyler Fackrell, a linebacker from Utah State. And then DeAndre Houston Carson from William & Mary out of the FCS. Yeah, we talked about Houston Carson last week, a guy that really, really intrigued me. Uh, out of William & Mary, a former corner that asked to get moved to safety, so they put him back there, and he's just a really dynamic player from that spot. I like him a little bit more than uh, some of the other bigger names uh, that have been discussed nationally so far in the draft process. Kyler Fackerell's an interesting guy. He was on Mel Kuyper's top five list for outside linebackers as a redshirt sophomore, tore his ACL in week one of 2014, so came back this year. 
kind of one of those Connor Barwin types that can do everything pretty well. He's not necessarily this dynamic uh, first step quickness edge rusher, uh, but a guy that can do everything well, can set the edge, can drop in zone coverage, shows a pretty good uh, ability to read route breaks and do some different things in zone. So uh, an interesting guy for sure. And Tyler Irvin, a guy that you know I didn't know too much about. I saw that he had been pretty productive for San Jose State this year. He got announced for the Shrine game a couple weeks back, so I went back and watched him. Really, really impressed with his quickness, his vision, uh, his versatility, ability to be uh, you know, put in the slot, flexed out wide, good receiver, uh, competitive runner too. I mean, he's, he's a little bit small, but a guy that uh, really, really impressed me just with his ability to create. We talked about that with Derrick Henry. Uh, he's got great ability to be able to create yards for, his own, uh, for himself. Next batch of players here, Deion Jones, linebacker from LSU. Nick Kwiatkowski, linebacker from West Virginia. Jimmy Landis. A long snapper from Baylor, uh, and then Nick Martin, an offensive lineman from Notre Dame. So we're gonna we'll talk about Martin a little bit, but uh, I would say Deion Jones is a guy to to focus on because uh, yeah, the more I watched him, the more I liked him. Really, kind of came out of nowhere. wasn't really on too many people's radar coming into the year. Uh, Stepped in for Quan Alexander, who's obviously had a great rookie year for the Tampa Bay Bucks at that weak side linebacker position for LSU. Shows pretty good athleticism, has a good understanding of what he's doing in space, uh, and comes downhill pretty well. He's one of those well-rounded linebackers who's got the athleticism and the toughness to play inside. Uh, Next up, Braxton Miller, a very interesting name. Listed as a wide receiver. He's played quarterback in the past. Guy can really do a lot of things for an offense. Braxton Miller, Jalen Mills, defensive back from LSU. Antonio Morrison from Florida we've talked about in the past. And then Jeff Overbaugh, uh, another long snapper from San Diego State. Yeah, so I'll talk about the first two. So Braxton Miller obviously made the switch to wide receiver this year. Uh, it was his first year doing it. And I'll tell you what, the two games that I've watched so far this year, really impressed with, number one, his hands. Uh, you know, has made a number of really just outstanding catches away from his frame, diving. I mean, just really good ball skills uh, for a guy who's at, at his first year in the position. We all knew what he could do uh, with the ball in his hands. It was just a really dynamic playmaker. We've seen that spin move that he had in week one against Virginia Tech, and he was able to do a lot of different things after the catch this year, but really impressed with his ability to play the ball in the air. And then also, I think he's come along pretty nicely as a route runner. Still needs you know to improve in a lot of areas, and we'll see what he looks like again once he gets that NFL coaching down to Mobile. But really excited to see him in person. And then Jalen Mills, I mentioned him last week. Coming into the year was my favorite senior safety because he's got corner cover skills, shows the ability to come down and play against the run as well. Really versatile guy who broke his leg in the summer, so really missed the first half of the year. So excited to see Mills as well. And now let's just go through the final six guys on the list. Noah Spence, defensive end from Eastern Kentucky. Chris Swain, a fullback from Navy. Nick Vanette, a tight end from Ohio State. Tavon Young, defensive back from Temple. And then uh, two more names to round out the list. Adolphus Washington from Ohio State and Cody Whitehair from Kansas State. So we talked about Whitehair in the past. Really just a guy that plays left tackle right now. A lot of people see him as a guard just because he doesn't. He kind of has that guard build. Really impressive, though, with uh, you know his athleticism and his toughness. So a guy that could fit in a number of different positions and a number of different schemes. Adolphus Washington made some headlines earlier this week. He got uh, arrested for a misdemeanor, uh, and he's going to actually miss the team's bowl game because he got suspended. So his career at Ohio State is finished, but a really interesting guy because he's got the ability to two-gap, hold up at the point of attack. He's a really good run defender. But this year they moved him outside to three technique he was a nose tackle a year ago 
showed surprising ability to rush the passer, and I think he improved uh, his pass rush moves, his ability to use his hands. He's got better in a lot of different areas. Still, I think, is a solid player. I wouldn't say he's a top 15, top 20 pick, but Adolphus Washington, definitely a guy to talk about. Uh, Noah Spence, a former Buckeye who uh, was the number one recruit out of the state of Pennsylvania uh, coming out of high school, ended up at Ohio State and had a very good freshman year was suspended, had some drug use problems, ended up at Eastern Kentucky. Uh, and look, he, he's come a long way both off the field and on the field. On the field, I'm very, very impressed with his ability to attack tackles in different ways. He can win inside. He can win outside. He's got a high motor, shows the ability to drop in coverage. He's an athletic guy. The off-field will be the big question with him. Great stuff, Fran, as always. Now for our final segment here of Draft Buzz. Let's talk about mock drafts. Uh, it's that time of year where you see more and more of these uh, coming out. Uh, and we're going to look at CBSSports.com today. Rob Rang and Dane Brugler, um, both of these guys updated theirs six days ago. Um, so let's take a look at what they have. Let's start off with who they have the Eagles picking, obviously, since this is an Eagles podcast. They have the Eagles at number 14 right now. And Rang has the Eagles taking Reggie Ragland, an inside linebacker from Alabama. Uh, Fran, what's your take on Ragland? I love Reggie Ragland, so I, I would be really, really excited about that. Another inside linebacker, though. That would be, the, and that's the thing is, uh, you know, you've already obviously spent uh, the third round pick on Jordan Hicks, who showed that he can be an excellent player. Uh, we traded Lashawn McCoy for Kiko Alonso, uh, and although he's not a hundred percent yet, they've, the coaches have really confirmed that over the past couple of weeks. We know what kind of talent he can be. So now the question will be next year, can he be 100%? And will we see the Kiko Alonso that we all saw uh, in the 2013 season? But uh, just a really dynamic player. But you, look, you talk about Ragland, uh, a guy who's, who's physical, he's athletic, he's instinctive. He brings everything you want off the field. He's the leader of that Alabama defense in the locker room. So uh, just kind of the total package. A lot of things that people said about C.J. Mosley, people will say about Reggie Ragland throughout this draft process, a guy that I'm really, really impressed with. Uh, so I, w- I would be really excited about Reggie Ragland. And then the next four picks after Ragland, just in, c- in case you're curious, uh, the Bears taking Kenny Clark, the Falcons taking Sean Robinson, the Bucks taking Corey Coleman, which would be interesting, and then Connor Cook going uh, to the Houston Texans. Any of those names stand out to you as possible fits with the Eagles? You know, I think that Clark would fit. Now, it's just a question. The Eagles probably aren't going to take a defensive lineman in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clark would be a great fit. Um, and then who were the other names? So Sean Robinson. Sean would, would fit as well, no question about it. It's kind of that uh, Fletcher Cox type player and that he can play in a one-gap or a two-gap scheme. Plays two-gap right now with Alabama, but shows the ability to shoot gaps and win with just unique athleticism. Remember the the field goal block he had? I want to say it was in that LSU game where he just leapt over the rest of the defensive line and made the block. So uh, just a freak athlete for sure for the position. And then Corey Coleman and Connor Cook. Coleman is, is going to be a pretty divisive guy. We've talked about kind of his, his shortcomings and, and why it's, you struggle to see what those guys can fully do in that Baylor system. But obviously he's just been ridiculously productive. Uh, so... The, it's a shame that he can't go to any of the All-Star games uh, to see you know, how he can do with NFL coaching and all the different routes that he'll have to run. Combining those drills will be big for him to see. what, And obviously all the pro days and the workouts that he has uh, will be big for his draft stock. And then from Dane Brugler, with Reggie Ragland still on the board, he has the Eagles taking another linebacker, outside linebacker Leonard Floyd from Georgia. This is a guy that I've seen uh, at least one other mock draft with the Eagles taking as well. So Leonard Floyd, outside linebacker from Georgia. I love Leonard Floyd, man. He he is so dynamic off the edge, uh, has the ability to win a number of different ways. He can drop into coverage as well. He's got to add weight. He's got to get a little bit stronger. But uh, 
I, I really, and I've said this before, I, I liked watching Leonard Floyd more than uh, Randy Gregory a year ago, who a lot of people thought was a top five talent. I think Floyd belongs in the, in the top 20 discussion, and uh, I'm not sure where both of those guys have the Eagles selecting right there in their mock. Number but, 14. Yeah, so they, I, I think Floyd belongs in that area. So I would be really, really excited about Leonard Floyd. So Floyd and Raglan, hypothetically, are both yeah. on the board. You're in the war room. If you had to pick one of those guys, who does Fran Duffy take? I, well, here's the thing: is that I'm a I'm a big best player available guy. Okay, obviously, um, but I think if you I look at both of these players as type of, I don't I don't want to say blue chip, but uh, I think both of these players are quality NFL starters. And so if you're saying okay, you've got a quality NFL starter inside linebacker or a quality NFL starter as a pass rusher, I'm going to take the pass rusher, especially considering who the Eagles have right now at the inside linebacker position. Uh, I would be more keen on taking the edge rusher so Brugler's next four picks after the Eagles Reggie Ragland goes the very next pick to Chicago uh Jonathan Allen another defensive end from Alabama goes to the Falcons Mackenzie Alexander a cornerback to the Bucks at number 17 um friend what's your take on Alexander a cornerback uh, a little bit undersized, but really good man corner, and they play a ton of press man coverage at Clemson. Has the ability to play off coverage as well because he's got that quickness, that change of direction, the ability to hip pocket down the field with wide receivers. But uh, I want to do continue to do more work on him because he's only a redshirt sophomore, so uh, very very young guy that I didn't really expect to come out. But I have watched a game or two this year, and I've been very very impressed with what I've seen. And then Brugler, like Rob Rang, also has Connor Cook going number eighteen to the Houston Texans. Uh, certainly be an interesting pick there. Let's take a look at the top of these uh, mock drafts really quickly. Uh, Rang's top five. Cleveland, number one, Joey Bosa, a name that we've heard a lot about. Yep. Uh, number two, I don't think we've talked about this name much here, um, but there's obviously a very huge difference of opinion between Rang and Brugler of where this guy's going to land. Robert Kimdiche, defensive tackle from Ole Miss. He, uh, Rang has him going number two to Tennessee. So, like, when you look at Kemdiche compared to these other defensive linemen in the draft, they're different types of players. You know, you talk about a, a Kenny Clark, uh, a DeForest Buckner from Oregon, some of these other guys. They're they're more two gapping point of attack run defenders. Where Kemdiche is a, a penetrating, disruptive three technique who lives in opposing backfield. So, if you're a four three team looking for that inside rusher. You're going to go for uh, Kimdichi. I mean, that, that, that you're going for Robert Kimdichi because he's got the ability to to, to penetrate uh, quickly and he has the burst, has the athleticism, just a really dynamic guy. And I think he's shown an improved ability to win at the point of attack. That was a big question for me coming into the year. I thought uh, Lyle Collins really handled him at the point of attack in the run game last year. I thought a number of different occasions uh, he really got his lunch taken uh, or his lunch money taken in the in the run game a year ago. But really, uh, I think he's improved in that area this year. I, I'm going to assume that he's going to declare. So uh, if that were the case, it just depends on who the teams are at the top and mm-hmm. how high he will go. So Rob Rang has him going second overall. Brugler has him going 13th. Uh, so obviously a big difference of opinion there. The rest of Rang's top five, he's got Laramie Tunsil, a guy that you love, going third overall to San Diego. Sure. Uh, number four, the Dallas Cowboys, Jalen Smith, linebacker from Notre Dame. That would be a heartbreaker. And then Jalen Ramsey to the Ravens at number five. So I'm glad that he has Ramsey. I think Ramsey is that kind of a player, too. And does, does he list uh, Ramsey as a corner or a safety? Corner. Yeah, I, I think And he's Ramsey. got Vernon Hargraves, the very next pick. Interesting. So, yeah, I think Ramsey's – this is going to be a big discussion, at least over the next few weeks until, uh, you know, we'll see what the Kuipers and, and those – once they get information from what team decision makers are thinking about players, starts to leak out. But – a lot of people think he's a safety. So I, I think that he's a, a, probably the best corner in the country. Uh, so we'll see what happens there with, with Ramsey. 
Dane Brugler's top five. A couple of the names match up. They are in different spots, however. Uh, number one, Paxton Lynch going to the Cleveland oh, Browns. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, look, Lynch has got a lot, all the tools you want. The question will be, uh, you know, can he be the number one quarterback? And if Cleveland is taking, uh, you know, if Cleveland has the number one pick, you're going to assume it's going to be a, probably a quarterback. I mean, uh, but they just took Johnny Manziel you know, two years ago, and they took Brandon Whedon four four years ago. I mean, you know, the problem is, is if you don't have one, you got to take one. If they don't I, think that Manziel is that guy. They get, they have to pull the trigger on one of these guys. They have to. I know this is going off on a tangent, but man, how many opportunities has Manziel been given to really play in that offense? Obviously, he's had his off the field issues, and that's taken away from his ability right. to get in there and play. Uh, it looks like the Browns are actually going to give him a chance here in the final four games of the season. Um, but you drafted, the, you traded up to get him. They traded with the Eagles uh, yes. to to get up in in 2014 and take him. Yep. Um, don't you have to give the guy a shot? I think they've given him a shot, man. I, th- I think that it would be one thing if it was injuries that were keeping him off the field, but the fact that it's, it keeps the, these off-the-field things keep stirring up and it's not even just the, the partying and, and things like that. It's also the, the being late to meetings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the stuff that really kills you. you know, if he was just going out and being grunk, I mean, maybe like, uh, it would be a little bit more forgiveness, for more forgiveness there, right. but uh, it's, the, it's the football character type of thing that right. really starts to creep in. It's... How committed is he to the sport? I don't know the because I don't know obviously all the specifics, but they know in in house in Cleveland they know what they have at this point in Johnny Manziel. Uh, just like anybody else that has a, a player from that draft, uh, you know the Eagles staff knows what they have in Marcus Smith at this point. The Eagle the, the Cowboys staff knows what they have in Zach Martin at this point. You know you just look go around. Uh, I think the sample size is big enough at this point. Uh, second overall, Laramie Tunsil. You said he was the best. Offensive lineman you've ever watched? I, 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 off of what I've seen so far, he's probably the best offensive lineman I've seen so far. So Tunsil number two, Joey Bosa number three to San Diego. Yep. Uh, and then the only name uh, that wasn't on Rang's top five, number four to the Cowboys, Miles Jack from UCLA. That would be interesting. And Jack is obviously he's out for the year with that torn meniscus. Uh, plans to be back fully healthy for the uh, scouting combine and plans to tear up the combine. Uh, and he will, I mean, he's a freak athlete. So if he is there and is a hundred percent, I would expect his numbers to be absolutely through the roof. A guy that, uh, when I watched Nelson Aguilar a year ago, he was covering Nelson Aguilar one-on-one, uh, in space as a line. I mean, he's freak athlete for sure. So, uh, very intriguing to see miles Jack go that high. And then Jalen Ramsey was number five. So both Rang and Brugler had him going number five, uh, really quickly as we wrap things up here on draft buzz, let's look at the rest of the NFC East in these mock drafts. Uh, Rang has the New York Giants taking Shaq Lawson, and Brugler has them taking Emmanuel Ogba. Two defensive ends. Obviously, they had the issue with uh, Demontre Moore this past week. Yep, he's been waived. Yep, so uh, they lose a former third-round pick there. They did draft Oama Bayo Digizua in the third round this year. Um, you know, so perhaps we'll, we'll see what kind of an impact he can make. But I just, I, I'm not sold yet on Ogba as a first-round pick, so we'll see. And then finally, the Washington Redskins, both Rang and Brugler agree on this one. And it's another defensive lineman from Alabama. So Alabama is basically going to have to rebuild their entire defensive <laughs> line last year because they're all getting drafted in the first round. Jaron Reed. But I'm telling you that they've got a bunch of guys coming up that are <laughs> going to be ridiculous, too. Uh, Jaron Reed's been really, really disruptive. He was a year ago as well. A junior college transfer. It was his first year at Alabama in 2014. Almost declared last year after one year of college football, but decided to come back as a senior and has been really disruptive again. Just a, a dominant point of attack type player that can play nose tackle or five technique uh, would fit that defense for sure. 
All right, that'll wrap things up here for Draft Buzz. I can't wait to see uh, every single mock draft that comes out between now and the draft. Um, always fun to see where, where the experts think that certain prospects are going to land. So now we will transition ahead here into Pick 6. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, Fran, it's time for Pick 6, and our theme today is six players with NFL relatives. And, of course, the reasoning for this is the Buffalo Bills are in town this week. Rex Ryan, the son of Buddy Ryan, of course, was the Eagles head coach. Uh, so let's talk about some guys with NFL relatives. First guy on the list, we've mentioned him a couple of times already, but let's really dig into Notre Dame offensive lineman Nick Martin. Yeah, you know, Martin is 6'4", 297 pounds. His brother, Zach, was a first-round pick. We actually just talked about him a couple minutes ago. Uh, was a first-round pick with the Dallas Cowboys out of Notre Dame. And Martin, he's a t- right now, I think he's kind of a tough evaluation because he's not a big kid. He's not a great athlete. I think he needs to get a lot stronger at the point of attack. But that being said, he's really smart. He's really tough, and he can play both guard and center. He started at both positions during his time at Notre Dame, so he's got that positional versatility. Uh, he can get handled at the point of attack sometimes. Like I said, he needs to get stronger, and he can be a, bit, a little bit of a waist bender, and that's one of those, those terms that it, you don't want to hear you're talking about offensive linemen. But uh, he's got calm, steady feet and pass protection. He's got a very good understanding of timing and angles in the zone run game. Like I said, very smart, technically sound player. I think he just has, a, just has just enough athleticism to be effective in that type of zone scheme. Still, you want to see him get stronger. That's going to be the big thing with him. Next up, Carl Nassib, defensive end from Penn State, and I believe a former walk-on. Former walk-on, that's right. He's 6'7", 272 pounds. He's got like that long, lean, uh, lean frame. His brother, Ryan, was a fourth-round pick of the New York Giants out of Syracuse a couple of years ago. Uh, Nassib's a really big kid. has been really, really productive. I believe he won the Lombardi Trophy as the top lineman in college football uh, this past week. I want to say that was the trophy he won. Uh, former walk-on. He's got great work ethic, comes off the ball really well, and he plays with really surprisingly good pad level despite the fact that he's six foot seven. Uh, he plays with good technique against the run, knows how to use his hands, He's got a really high motor. Uh, the thing you you want to really like him. You really do. Like when you watch him, you're like, oh man! Like you really want to root for this kid. The thing is, is you want to find out exactly what is he because um, you know is he a strong side defensive end in a four three like what Devin Taylor is a, a, for the Detroit Lions who's right around that size. You know, does he pl- add a ton of weight and become a five technique in a three four? I think he's a little bit stiff. He's not one of those bend the edge rushers, uh, but you know he just finds a way to be very very productive. I'm interested to see where he ends up. And just really quickly, speaking about Penn State, uh, they made some news last night. They hired Joe Moorhead oh, as their course. offensive coordinator. I didn't even ask The head it. coach of my alma mater, Fordham University. And I'm thrilled with that. Uh, four years at Fordham, he took a 1-10 team, put them back on the map in the FCS playoffs the last three years. Really innovative offensive guy. He's a Central PA native. Really happy for Joe Moorhead. I th- I'm really happy that people at more of a national level can see what he can do because uh, he's a very interesting offensive mind. Interesting. Well, uh, he'll have a new quarterback, I would presume. You would assume. Year. So we'll see. You would assume. Um, anyway, congratulations to Joe Moorhead. Had to get that uh, Fordham reference in there. Next up, number three on our pick six, USC linebacker Sua Cravens. Yes, uh, Cravens, we've talked about in the past, one of those linebacker safety types, 6'1", 225 pounds. He's a cousin of Monty Teo and a cousin of Jordan Cameron from the Miami Dolphins. So it's a pretty athletic family tree there. A very interesting tree, an interesting <laughs> connection. No Connect question. Manti Teo to Jordan Cameron. There we go. In yeah. one move. <laughs> um, you know, the more, look, 
coming into the year, I wasn't big at Cravens, but the more I watched him this year, he, he grew on me a little bit. I think there are still questions in my mind, uh, but they're a bit quieter after the jump he's made this year as a junior. Anyone that questions whether or not he can play linebacker in the NFL, you want to watch him in that game against Stanford. He made a ton of plays against the run in that game. When the offense tried to run at him, he used his hands really well to take on blocks. He shed blocks consistently. He made plays on the ball. That was the, the first game I watched of his uh, this year after questioning his NFL future a year ago. And he really started to make me more of a believer in that, you know, after watching that game. That being said, in other games, there were still some times where I questioned his toughness uh, early on versus Notre Dame. You, you want to see a guy who's really accustomed to playing in space, can he play near the line of scrimmage consistently at the next level? So you're talking about a guy, can he be a three-down defender, or is he just a third-down defender, a guy that you want to play in your sub-packages uh, and not be a full-time starter? So that'll be the question there with Cravens. Uh, a good coverage player, a good athlete for the position, can he play near the line of scrimmage consistently at the next level? Next up, uh, another USC guy, back-to-back Trojans here, running back Trey Madden. Yeah, six foot, 236 pounds, really big kid for running back position. His grandfather was a former All-Pro running back, Lawrence McCutcheon, with the Rams, and his uncle, uh, Dalen McCutcheon, was a, a longtime pro with the Cleveland Browns, is now an NFL assistant coach, but uh, related to the McCutcheons there from Madden. Overall, I think he's got NFL ability. He's a big kid. He's not the most explosive running back, but he's physical. He's got good contact balance, has the ability to, uh, to make people miss, which surprised you a little bit for a guy his size, and he has some third-down value in that he can pass protect and that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a big kid. He brings a defensive nature to the offensive side of the football. He's a former linebacker in his early uh, years there at USC. The big question with, with him ultimately is his athleticism. What kind of an athlete is he? Like kind of what we talked about a little bit with Derrick Henry and his durability because he's missed a ton of time over the course of his career with the Trojans. Number five, South Carolina offensive tackle Brandon Shell. Yes, uh, big kid, 6'6", 327 pounds. Uh, his uncle, his great uncle, was the Hall of Famer, Art Shell. Uh, and a, a guy that played right tackle last year, shifted to left tackle this year, big, physical, can move people at the point of attack. He's got really long arms, so really kind of like that prototypical right tackle. That's what Brandon Shell is right now uh, you know, for South Carolina. So that's what you're getting with him. We're going to see him in person at the East-West Shrine game. And rounding out the list, Utah State wide receiver Hunter Sharp. Yeah, and Sharp is a cousin of Derek Johnson, the the three-time Pro Bowl linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, former first-round pick out of Texas. And Sharp, a little bit on the smaller side, he's 5'11", 197 pounds, really kind of known for his quickness, his versatility, his speed. And they use him in a number of different ways. He's used in jet sweeps in the screen game as a running back out of the backfield at times. But honestly, I, I don't know how high level his speed and his quickness and his suddenness and his versatility is you know I, I think that he has it's almost like a Damaris Johnson type guy where you know yeah in theory that's what he is mm-hmm. but how quick is he how explosive is he uh that'll be the question with Hunter Sharp I almost kind of see him in a, in a similar light to to a Damaris Johnson there you have it six guys with NFL relatives good stuff Fran and pick six and now we will transition into our final segment here on journey to the draft it's time for mailbag now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. And we will close things out here on Journey to the Draft with our mailbag. Uh, got some good questions from Twitter. Uh, happy, Always happy to answer them. Um, and we thank you to everybody for sending them in. First question, and this one comes from Demetrius Brooks on Twitter, who wants to know, Fran, would you replace Brent Selleck at tight end if you were the Eagles? And if you did, who are the guys to look at in this draft? You know, I think that... 
this tight end class is very, very dependent on which juniors decide to enter because the junior tight end group is actually there's – there's a lot of guys that are really, really talented. But uh, the senior group, I think there's some nice players, but not anybody that's going to probably go – definitely not first round, but probably not in the second or third round either. Well, I shouldn't say second or third round. There's not a, a blue-chip type player in the senior class. But that being said, I mean, Brent Selick was a fifth-round pick coming out of, uh, out of Cincinnati. So – uh, obviously there is some talent to be had there in the middle rounds. And I think when you're looking at the position overall, I've talked about Ryan Malik in the past, the, mm-hmm. the, the senior from Virginia Tech as kind of a well-rounded type player. Nick Vanette, I think, is looked at in similar light from Ohio State, uh, a guy that can win at the point of attack and on the ground game and also has the athleticism to win as a receiver. And then Jake McGee, the former uh, quarterback. He, was from, he went to Richmond, then he was at Virginia. Now he's at Florida uh, and has the ability to, to be a blocker and then as well you know, show competency as a receiver as well. Those are three seniors that kind of fit that similar role as a Brent Selleck. But then you look at this junior class, you know, Hunter Henry, who, who won the John Mackey Award as an underclassman from Arkansas. A lot of people expect him to enter the draft. Uh, O.J. Howard, we've talked about in the past from Alabama. Evan Ingram is more of the uh, athletic, you know, uh, Aaron Hernandez type of player that, you know, can get moved all around the formation and win as, a, as an athlete in space. David Greenwich is a guy from NC State who's a big physical kid. I want to say he's like 275. I mean, he's got great size, uh, so he's got the ability to win as a blocker, but then also can win down the field as a receiver. So really, I think this tight end group is going to be more uh, leaning heavily towards the underclassmen. Next question comes from at EJ215 on Twitter, who wants to know, is our first priority still a quarterback? Well, I, I guess we'll see what the what the offseason brings. I mean, we, we kind of know uh, Sam Bradford has shown the ability to improve, and we've talked sure. about his improvement on the Eagles Insider podcast as well as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, uh, but he's still a free agent, so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I mean, I think that uh, if they do bring him back, we'll see what kind of deal it is, and if it's a uh, if and that'll kind of tell us what they think. If it's a, a kind of a, a mid level contract, then yeah, I think that quarterback is a possibility. If it's a, a big contract, then I would say probably not. Um, so we'll see. And look, I, I've gone on the record about this quarterback class. I think this is a a good group. So. Uh, could they, instead of trying to take one wherever they draft you know, in the first round, could they wait until the second or third round and get a guy that could potentially develop into a starter down the line? That's a, that's a possibility. And if they do decide to go that route, this kind of ties into our next question here, which comes from Rakeef on Twitter. Is Cardell Jones an option for the Eagles at quarterback? I guess it just depends on what you want from the position. And a guy who's got great athleticism and showed the ability uh, to, to win with his feet at the college level uh, there were some issues with him off the field, you know, at Ohio State. Um, but you know, as a passer, did he develop this year? And that and that's the big question because you saw some flashes uh, as a sophomore during that three game run where they won the won the national title for Ohio State a year ago. He didn't really show too much improvement, is my understanding. I haven't studied done a ton of work studying Cardell Jones based off of this year's tape because he split so much time with JT Barrett. Uh, it seems like he is declaring so. I will continue to do more work on him after probably after the Senior Bowl, uh, but it just uh, obviously we know what he is. He's got the ability to be the total package. I'll be interested to see where he ends up getting drafted in this quarterback class. And our final question comes from J.R. Willis, uh, talking about a smaller school athlete here. Fran, your thoughts on Josh Woodrum, the quarterback from Liberty? So he's one of these guys that keeps getting brought up, and again, it's just an example of. Uh, how the senior quarterback class, there's a number of different players that people are pretty high on. And one of the guys that keeps coming up on draft Twitter uh, is really the, the, the play of Josh Woodrum. He's going to the NFLPA game, so we will not see him in person. 
uh, unless he gets a, a late addition to, to the to the senior bowl. But uh, well, I haven't put in a ton of work on Woodrum, uh, and I so I don't want to speak on him. But uh, a guy that I know a lot of people are very high on in, in terms of being a, a late-round developmental-type quarterback. Fran, great stuff as always. Enjoy your game day here on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Uh, that'll wrap things up for the latest Journey to the Draft podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher or however it is that you listen to your Eagles podcast. So for Fran Duffy, I'm Alex Smith. Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you back here next week.